Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Zubin Damanya, your host. Um, today's guest is, okay, this is for people who are really interested in a deep dive down the rabbit hole of awakening, realization, liberation, the end of suffering, the nature of reality, those kind of things. If you're not interested in that, probably not. This is going to make no sense at all. And in fact, if you are interested in this um, and you have a lot of fixed ideas about spirituality and what it means and a lot of beliefs around it, this will challenge a lot of your fundamental assumptions because um, my guest, uh, Ishwar Segabind, is a regular dude who happened to have a serious realization and awakening a few years ago. And since then, it's just been unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. And now he talks about it, which is very hard to do. You're speaking about the unspeakable and he does it in a very direct, no nonsense, slap you across the face. It's just this right here in front of your face kind of thing. It can cut through a lot of misunderstanding and belief structures that keep us really in the dream state where we think there's a me doing things that's going to wake up. And the great thing about Eshwar is he just cuts right through that. He helped me a lot a couple of years ago, as we'll talk about in the show. We dive into a lot of things like the nature of no self, what it's like in terms of realization and family relationships, what it's like seeing your wife or your daughter for the first time as they are without all the conceptual overlay. Um, we... Eshwar will take us through some exercises as to how we can use our senses, sight, sound, sensation, even thought, as a gateway that points us right into the infinite now, which is all there is, all there ever was, all there ever will be, and it is liberation right in front of your face, even in the setting of what appears to be the dreamlike delusion that we're somehow separate from all that is. So um, Ishwar has a website um, called sensewithoutmind.com, which I'll link to. He also has done some video interviews with Angelo, which is how I was introduced to him a couple of years back. Um, Angelo DeLulo, who I've done a bunch of videos with. And so we'll put a link uh, or two to those. And he now works with people one-on-one -on -one who are interested in really diving deep into their true nature. And you can find that information on his website and how to sign up for a one-on-one -on -one with him. By the way, if you want to support this show and the work we do on awakening and uh, transforming medicine and all of that, become a supporter. Go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporter and you can sign up on Facebook, YouTube, Locals, Instagram, uh, or just make a one-time supportive donation at uh, via PayPal. It really helps us a lot because we're not doing a lot of um, other stuff to generate revenue. This is what you know I care about is talking about this stuff. And if you can support us doing this, it just it helps us a lot. It's like five bucks a month, like the cup of buying me or the cup of the cost of buying me a cup of coffee a month, which is not too bad. Um, if you're into this stuff, if you're not, hey, dude, just listen for free and enjoy um, the stuff we do just for supporters, though, Zoom meetings where we talk about this stuff one on one. Uh, I mean, in a group live on Zoom and we share our experiences. Um, I do live shows just for my supporter group that are really unfiltered. <laughs> if you think this is unfiltered, wait till you see that. So anyways, without further ado, I give you Ishwar Segamund. <laughs> Ishwar, good to talk to you, brother. <laughs> what is up? What is up? <laughs> Man, the way um, I still, it's funny, this, this, it's all story, but the story of how I first talked to you um, really kind of was illustrative of what 
you're kind of, um, gosh, for lack of a better better word, you, your realization and transmission is a certain flavor of radical. <laughs> it's it's very direct. And I remember I was struggling. This was a couple of years back and I'd met Angelo and Angelo was talking about these stages of awakening and you know this and this and this and this and this and a very precise and very, um, you know, like a modern day Buddha kind of laying out the 12 stages, you know, the causing conditions of awakening and what it is and so on. And he really made it tangible. But I found that I was struggling because my intellect would try to grasp onto, okay, so awakening is this kind of thing and I need to do these things to make it happen. And why am I still so conflicted and feeling so contracted? And so Angela says, you know, I want you to talk to a friend of mine, Ishwar. He had a pretty radical awakening, uh, a few years back and he's been, I've talked to him on my video channel and, and uh, he might be just what you need. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I remember I called you and you had no, you're like, sure, I'll talk. Uh, total stranger, no problem. We're on different time zones. You're in Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania. And so I called you up and I, and you said, okay, how can I help you? And I was like, oh, okay this is good. We're down to business. Well, here's the deal, man. Here's my story. Like, I think I had an awakening back in 2012, but I'm not sure. And then this happened and this happened. And I, and the problem is I'm struggling with this and I did this and I did that retreat and I did this. And uh, you just said, uh, okay, that's great. Are you driving? Yeah. Just pull over. You, okay. You've done all the right things. You've, you've been a good boy. You've, 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 you've put in all the work. Okay. I want you just to forget all that. <laughs> and then with, with a series of very simple pointers, you showed me what this was, you pointed right to it. It's in front of our face, this realization, reality, true nature, living truth. And I, I'll never forget it. I, I, I went home, I, I pulled back onto the road after doing that and we talked and I went home to my wife and I'm like, I don't know what just happened. I talked to this guy Ishwar and I just saw what all this is. Like it's right here in front of our face. Uh, and so that's why I was really excited, you know, and we've since talked quite a bit and that's why I'm so excited to talk to you now, brother. Yeah, man. The the theme of that seems to be <clears throat> pretty. Uh, <clears throat> damn. Pretty relevant. Dude, you got the COVID, time. brother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like the running theme for the last uh, couple of days. Most everyone that I I spoken with, it was um, and this is this is really uh, really recent. It all has to do with you know they've been trying with all this effort for so long that they forget to just relax and chill out. Like it's okay to take a breath and kind of observe what's going on. You know, the, the whole point of meditation, bringing you all into this space of stillness and here and now, but you're so distracted with the meditation itself that it got you here, but you still refuse to look, you know what I mean? It's It was one of those things. So yeah, it's it's weird that you were, talking about that and those were the, the exact conversations i've been having over the last like week it and it's such a it's such a paradox because our minds are so conditioned to want to strive to accomplish and attain and go through stages and acquire this thing called awakening or enlightenment or liberation and like you said the irony is it's actually it's not that <laughs> it's not an acquirement it's not an attainment it, it's very paradoxical it's a total surrendering in a way to exactly what's here, what's happening without resistance and without without filter actually, which is what you pointed to me that day. I, I wonder, I'm curious, can you, 
can you sort of um, talk through or point in the way that you might do for someone who's like my who was like myself, very, uh, very conceptual and very kind of very much the typical seeker. Like there's a lot of energy. It's almost like an addiction. It's almost like, and and I know you come from that space uh, too of having gone through that and suffered with that. Um, this idea that I will I will acquire this thing and I'll have these experiences, whether they're mystical experiences or glimpses of awakening or whatever it is. And by acquiring enough of these experiences, things will finally be okay. And yeah. it's a, yeah. I mean, the, the first thing I, that I kind of point to, that's like you, you know, being like, hey, man, be funny. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, all right, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best to be funny here. But it's usually, when, you know, the same thing, like you, you went through what you went through and, and been on this path. So it's usually those type of people that are usually, they usually come my way. So they've already exhausted quite a bit of themselves or their ideas and concepts about this or gone through, you know, all kinds of practices. So when they get to me, the first thing I tell them is like, all right, fine. That's all that stuff that you did. Great. The first thing to to understand is here and now is all there is. And that's all there there, there ever will be. The thing that's here and now is the thing you, you kind of need to accept, which is you, however that's going to be. However, that that takes shapes for you in all your your misery and all your joy and happiness and all your glory, whatever that looks like for you, that's right here. All the meditations were always to get you to this point. So the first initial shift is just a recognition that, um, you know what, here I am. Thoughts may seem like before meditation got me to this point, but the reality is if you got pulled away with thoughts, you always snap back to this place. This is your default setting. And when people kind of see that, they're like, oh, shit, well, yeah. But that's the truth. And what, I, what I'm pointing to is for you to look and check your own experience of that experience itself. And that's how it self-confirms. And it isn't really anything that I'm doing. You're the one doing all the work. And when you see that, you're like, all right, I'm here. Then... If anything, like self-inquiry and all of those process would be valuable or could be used, it's from this point, from realizing that. But again, most people, they, they see and they understand that. So what do we do at this point? All right, you've been working with all of your thoughts and, and all of that. That's cool. Thoughts, that's, that's a sense. That's a sense perception. So, you know, put them in a bubble. That's a bubble that's happening right now. Then... Let's go to the next one that we draw a lot of our information from, our visual field. Our visual field is when we really look at it at, as the base sense perception, really all you can confirm in your visual field is color. There are thoughts now happening that's in a bubble. There's a visual field coming out from behind your eyeballs or however you want to put that. And then the next one is sound. So Sound is occurring, or in hearing, there's sound at the basis of the perception. But in the process of hearing, there's only sound. In seeing, no seer, only the seen, and at the basis of seeing is color. In thinking, no thinker, in thinking, only thoughts. So you're not um, dismissing any, any one of that. You're not denying the operation of the perception. So you're not 
denying the that thoughts aren't here and also not trying to stop thoughts. But there's this sense that permeates the thinking itself that appears as a thinker. It permeates the the visual field and it gives rise when when it permeates the visual field the sense of a perceiver or or, or an observer. So we just kind of point that out and essentially what's being what's happening is you're plucking that sense from each one of the sense perceptions and when that happens eventually that center that seems like you kind of starts to evaporate um and a, a, an analogy that i use is and it's not something i came up with but if you can if you can see a prism most people from like their i don't know third or fourth grade science science experiment there's always this prism where light hits the prism and then it splits apart to its individual components. So that's what it's like. The, the sense of, of self is like that light itself. And this isn't metaphysical because people will tend to take that and say, oh, I am the light. No, this is just an analogy. <laughs> light is hitting the prism, then it splits mm. into its individual components. So this thing that appeared to be solid when it's looked at through this lens, it's not solid anymore. You see its individual components for exactly what it is. And the thing that was solid or was taken to be solid just isn't. And that's the error in perception. The, the illusion doesn't mean that it's not real. Illusion just means it's not what it appears to be. And when it's looked at it, looked at correctly through that perception that, and it's your perceptions these are your your sense organs your filters of reality that's the basis on how you experience this life that you're calling your own so when you come back to the senses i'm sure we've all heard that come back to your senses look at them at the basis and relax in that space and that can only be done here and now can't be done anywhere else and it can only be done through your own viewing of your own sense perception and accepting these things for what they are by looking at them for what they are. So in that sense, that's why it can't be given. It can only be pointed out and, you know, the individual has to look, but it can only be pointed out here and now, nowhere else. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what you did that day, a couple years back. You you said, yeah, first you gave you gave the thinking mind a little concession and said, okay, good, you're a good boy, you've done all the work. <laughs> you've, you've, you've acquired the things, you've put in the, you've studied Buddhism and you've studied Vedanta and you've studied, you know, Sam Harris and you've listened to the podcast and you've read Angelo's book and you've done all of this. And so the sense that there's a doer wasn't directly attacked in that way so that the ego defends itself and says, no, 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 but I, I, I've done all these things. Said, no, yeah, you've done all those things, that's great. And then you pointed exactly to the sense gates. You said, okay, now pull over your car and let's split this white light that you're that you're saying, this is your analogy, which I think is beautiful. The self is this kind of conglomeration, a kind of aggregate of all of this kind of perceptual information and thought creating this thing that feels solid, this the, the perceiver, the one to which all this is happening. And you said, okay, stop. It, look in your visual field right now. You're very present because you've done meditation. You know how to, how to understand what here is and now is. Now let's actually explore it. And you said sort of 
allow the visual field to expand, look at your peripheral vision and see what that is. It's just color and shape and that's it. And now cycle your attention into the sound field. What's happening here? It's just sound, just sound. And then cycle into thought. Where are thoughts happening? They're just thoughts. And in that sense, you broke that white light of the aggregate of self, which is all the sight, sound, thought, everything happening to a me, and prismed it out into its components. Oh, just seeing, just hearing, just sensation in the body, and not even body, just sensation, and just thought. And what clicked at that time is beyond the ability to describe in words, but what it was was, oh, there's no me in any of this. There's no solidity in any of this. There's just this unfolding now. And as you said, illusion is one thing in that it's it's not exactly what's happening, but it but here is what's happening, the senses, exactly as they are, just this. And you had told me then, I remember, you said, enlightenment is not what you think. It's much simpler. It's just this, it's this. And it, it was so clear and so present. And I'd had glimpses of that before. And when you pointed in that way at the time, there was a kind of surrender that happened that I didn't do, where it was clear there's no me in any of this. There's just this pulsating sense gates occurring and self-knowing in a way. There's not, there's not even a question of knowing and not knowing. There's just what's happening. Um, and so that's how it was experienced here. Yeah, man, it's... It, uh... It's a complete, re- it's a recognition of the way things, things are. And it's the reason why it's recognized is that you always knew it, you know, and yeah. this is where language fails to describe this stuff because it's always, it's always dualistic in nature in the way that we speak because it has to be spoken that way. Um, so unless someone kind of went through it, they, they generally doesn't, they, they won't understand and you can only point up until a certain point until somebody goes in to really look and investigate this this thing that actually is looking and kind of see it for what it is and there's like two subtle distinctions with with looking as well one one part of this is um looking to uncover what's already here puts you in a place where you're fully immersed in all of your sense gates and sense feels and sense perceptions. The other one where I see people come from is this position that if I do all of this stuff, eventually it'll happen to me. And that put it that puts it at a distance as though it's something you have to work towards to get instead of just trying to uncover or discover what's really happening in my experience itself and it's a it's like i said it's a subtle distinction between the two but it makes a very big difference you're not putting putting it at a distance from yourself you're kind of accepting your full experience as it is and then kind of clearing away the misconceptions that we we kind of build up over the years of what we think this is and there's a reason why we we can't see it because it's that simple but there's just this story about this thing and how grand it is. And it can seem that way once it happens. But you see that the story is the thing that blocks you too. And your idea of what you think that it is, that you, you overlook 
what's already here, man. Like if you go past your nose, you went too far. <laughs> that, that's exactly that's exactly it. Because the 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 it's very important what you just said. We put this at a distance. And I remember the first time I read Angelo's book, he had a line in there that says, awakening happens now. It doesn't happen anywhere else. It's not gonna happen in the future to you. It's not a cookie that you obtain. It's now, it's here, it's in front of your face. And that sounds almost condescending, right? It sounds to the mind that's been struggling and striving and trying. But the truth is, it's the absolute truth. It is exactly just this. And one of, the, and, and so many, like you said, people I think are looking, they've maybe had these kind of mystical experiences of union or unconditional love or uh, experiencing past lives or all this kind of thing that can happen. Those are all just experiences and that's fine. But what is here in front of your face is undeniable when you don't make distance, when the filters are seen for what they are and it's just this. And then those kind of characteristics may radiate as part of what just shows up. So maybe like what I felt when you first pointed that to me is what I felt the first time I ever experienced it, which was a few months earlier as a glimpse, which is perfect equanimity. Like this is exactly as it is. There's nothing to do here. There's nothing to push and pull on. This is it. Um, and that perfection is felt entirely in the being as this is, this is it, this is perfect. It can't be otherwise. Um, and it's right. a huge relief. Yeah. Yeah, man. It, it, uh, you, from that, that space, which is always available to us here, that's where we see all the mental constructs of the, the entire world that we, we have created within our own minds. Um, and I know it can seem like it's unattainable just by talking about it that way from this space, but it's only because, and this is speaking to people who are listening to this, it's only because we didn't take the time to really look at our own, like our own structures within ourselves. And quite literally, you can see the entire world that's, as it's created in this conventional way of this thing that can operate only in that space, which is this ego, this identity, this self, because it doesn't operate anywhere else. It can't. It's always something that came after the fact, and it's something that's, that's created in the world of convention and conception, which is all in this space that we're calling a mind. And in this space here and now, none of that is, is even a thing. Mm. You know, there's just mm. this, this flow of... And to say it's stillness is, is to put it as a, something, too, that's, that's kind of out of grasp. But really, it's when the, the, the concepts, this mind that we have that's moving all over the place, it's when that becomes still, that this becomes open. But this is always here, and the discovery is just that. You, you just needed to shut up and listen. Mm -hmm. and that, that, that's, oh, go that's ahead, yeah. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's it, the, the whole thing. It's, it's that stopping that is often talked about in spiritual circles, just stop, just stop, just stop. And I think that that's often misunderstood. It almost feels when, because like you said, this thing we call a mind, which is really just a pattern of thought and conception and overlay that makes, that creates a kind of internal world that like you said, when you actually, when that stops, 
that's what's really happening when you're saying just stop. It's like the the egoic process of making things into something that they aren't through some manipulation and concept in mind or making it mine or not mine. That movement of mind stops. And when it stops, what's left is what's actually here. And like you said, putting names on it like stillness or you know, the peace that passeth all understanding or um, emptiness or shunyata, there's a million names for it. God um, doesn't even touch it, what it is, it, because it's another concept. But it's here for, it, it is, it's imminent right now. And all you have to do is that that process stops. Uh, and how you how you get to the stopping is is I think very very idiosyncratic for each particular person. But yeah, for me, you stopped me by that particular approach, and, and you didn't do it. The stopping happened when these sort of <laughs> these minds kind of interacted, and suddenly mine just stopped. Right, right. There, there. I think for each individual, when they like when I have a conversation with someone, it's it's a bit of a different approach for each one, but generally the overall arch of it is just that it's spoken in such a way that they are like the mind just kind of all right pause for a second and really re reassess what's going on here for just for a minute maybe suspend all of the things that i've brought to the table up until this point and just kind of see exactly what's happening when we come back to like sense perceptions and all of that stuff that's how it's pointed because it's in your direct experience you're the one that's doing it and it's self-confirming for you. So how do you deny that? And it's not in a state of consciousness. It's not in, in you meditating with your eyes closed where it can be misconstrued as something else. So it's your relative day-to-day, moment-to-moment life experience. And that's where I think the the breakthroughs happen where people can't really deny it because one, you accept the fact that you're here, in all, again, in like everything inclusive of what you're taking yourself to be. You accept that it's here, and now you're actually looking and using your perceptions for the first time without this overlay kind of penetrating through each one of them. And you're like, shit, is it really that simple? And the answer is yes, it is, <laughs> it is that simple, mm. you know? Mm then we start to see. And the quality of the experience initially is one of recognition. And the more and more we relax into the space, because this isn't a place that you're getting to, it's, it's what happens when you just kind of take a second and breathe. You're there. When you're looking, you're there. When thinking is happening, you're there too. Like it, it, Nothing ever moves you away from this and, and here and now. And if it did, you snap back here then this space really starts to open up. So all the stuff that they were talking about, the glimpses and the vastness, the the uh, radiance of it, how the the very vivid aliveness of your your visual field itself can feel like it's dancing behind your eyeballs, like your eyeballs itself can feel like they're dancing as the images are, are popping up. The The depth of experience starts to deepen beyond anything that we can imagine because the conceptual mind is no longer restricting anything via thoughts and experiences fully experienced to be exactly as it is the concept were the limiting factor that's 
That is beautifully said. The concepts of the limiting factor, they're like a restraining bolt or a choke on the raw, the raw isness, aliveness of every sense, every moment, every now, it's just this. And so you can look, and this is something you did with me that first day and we've talked about since, is you just look at a tree and what you see when filtered through conceptual thinking is there's the raw data, the raw isness of what that is, and then the mind immediately reflects up a series of conceptual overlays, tree, this type of tree, particularly green, at this distance from me, me here perceiving tree, all that happens instantly. Almost magically how quick human consciousness spins up a world and a description and turns this radiance into an object uh, for you to experience. And when that conceptualization relaxes, then what you're calling a tree, boy, (laughs) <laughs> it's experienced right. in its rawness, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no more categorizing of that experience as, you know, tree, branch, leaf, uh, color, all of that. When when those lines start to disappear, the boundaries that the lines clearly drew, they went away and the fullness, the vividness of that, that experience comes alive, man. And it's like the, the leaves are waving at you. You know, the when the when the tree kind of sways in the wind, it's like the entire tree is kind of you know. Th- there's just no way to accurately describe that experience, and one one of the things is to really understand the function of both. When we're talking about the unknown, is what concepts are trying to describe, right? So the concept of tree was trying to convey what was being referred to as a tree we tend to just believe the concept and not really go and look at what the concept was pointing at. So sometimes when we're on this path itself, it can seem as though the two of them conflict and there's some kind of conflict between uh, conception and convention versus the unknown, which is what's in front of our face all of the time. The, so when we start to recognize that, that pattern, it's very basic on how to do so. And this was the thing that we talked about. So for anyone out there listening, you can do this as well. If you look out through through your eyes and or or just look out. If there's a wall in front of you, what color is the wall? Right? If it's white, great. If the thought says white, great. Just because the thought says white was the thought necessary for you to experience the wall as white. It isn't. And if the thought didn't say white, was it necessary for the thought not to say white for you to experience a wall as white? It isn't. So there's an, so this is understanding your direct experience. The direct experience is there's an arising thought and then the content of the thought or the story that it says. So there's an arising thought of white wall. Is it necessary for you to experience a wall white? No. Is it okay for the thought to say white wall? It can do whatever it wants. It's not necessary for your experience. So there's no longer trying to stop the thought or battle with it. And there's no real need to accept the thought. It's, you know, it's, it's a happening. It's one of your sense perceptions. It's like trying to stop seeing. 
but it's not necessary for your experience. So everything is perfectly okay. The thought is okay. The seeing is okay. Experiencing is okay. And that's that's your experience of a thought. The arising thought, the fact that it arises, is an experience. It says white wall. That's pointing back to your direct experience. Now, if it said there's a white wall that I've I've experienced before and it's at my mother's house and it's it's uh it happened like five years ago, that's a story that has nothing to do with your direct experience. So when we start to see these mechanisms and to be aware of it, and really it's just looking to see that then there's nothing wrong with anything. There's no conflict between anything. There's no conflict between the sense perceptions themselves. So you're fully immersed in the perceptions, in this unknown thing. All of convention was pointing to this, and there is no problem with convention. It points back to the unknown, which points back to convention. So there's, there's nothing wrong with either of them. And peace isn't found here. It's just what is. Presence, maybe, is, a, is a, a word that we can use for it. But it's the absence of, of chaos and peace. What remains is what's felt. Hmm. Yeah, and I would encourage listeners to do exactly what Ishwar is pointing at. This is experiential. This is not theoretical. You have to look and notice exactly this, that this presence, this isness right here, and that words don't really touch, but again, that's what you're pointing out is the convention, our conventional mind, thoughts, words that categorize, try to point back at this completely unknowable experience. Unknowable meaning it can't be reduced to any category. It's it's kind of indescribable. but but convention will do that. Um, when you actually just, and I think the key word you used earlier is relax, just completely relax into this, this that's happening. And, and I think people will say, well, then how do I, you know, if, I, if, if I'm just relaxing into the infinity of <laughs> this moment, this indescribability, how do I function? And you told me this beautiful story about looking at your young daughter in this way, because we're talking about trees, we're talking about things that are, you know, they have low uh, emotional tone. But what happens when you look at a loved one or a child in this way? Yeah, the, I mean, <clears throat> first off, with, with my, <laughs> my daughters, it was like, I can look and pinpoint an exact point that I can say that that child is this thing that's my child or... um with my second daughter, her name is Sonia. I, I can look at her and say, like, pinpoint a point that's, that's Sonia. So it can be, I can reduce the experience of her to this, this name conception of what was pointing, pointing to this thing that couldn't be named. And then when, when that kind of, like, dawned, man, it's like the full experience of that piece of life started to express from the, the waviness of the, the here, the linearness of whatever it is that's happening there, the, the radiance of the, 
the elegance of their face, their color, the, the, man, it's just the depth of the experience is fully, fully vivid and alive and it's being experienced. And it's like that name was just limiting the experience itself. You know, it's like I, I, could, I couldn't even begin to describe w- what that was like. And it, it really started to show, particularly with my kids, because those were the things the ones that I held with most, the most value. And it started to show me through the experience of the things that I loved the most of how the delusion was being, being casted out from me, particularly my, my older daughter, because she had a whole bunch of medical issues and I bonded with her in, in such a way that if, if anyone could be blinded by love, it, would, it, it was me with that because that's all I ever saw. But one morning I, I woke up and she was laying on the bed next to me. She had to be maybe about five or six at the time. And I saw how out of me comes this net that was casted over this piece of life and claimed it to be, to be mine. And I was like, what was that all about? And just by seeing that process, like my entire position just relaxed and then different modes of experiencing that piece of life started to come through no impositions being made on her to be my daughter or to be this or to be that it was just like this full-on expression of life it do sometimes it's it's when when the light hits them they almost light up like rainbows like literally when when i look at them and the light comes off of their skin or it hits their their face those little 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 hairs that they have on their face will start to be like little little rainbows on all over their body it's it's just amazing the depth that our perception can function at like a scalpel how it just cuts through these layers of concepts and then for me, in my experience, it was the concepts that I had that I held on to with these beliefs were the limiting factor of the experience of what's what's happening here, which can't be described, but our attempt to describe them, we diminish them significantly into these things that almost seem like they have no life and they have no value. But when we let go of the boundaries of the concepts, man, they go back into tree. Mountains become mountains, trees become trees again. You know, the conception, the boundaries are let go of. And the fullness of the experience just cannot be spoken about. The depths that it goes from there, it only ever deepens. I haven't found an end to it. You know, every moment to moment, it's just going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, 
join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. <laughs> Man, that was so beautifully said. <laughs> I was feeling that. I mean, that is exactly that is exactly what is here when we stop believing the conceptual reductions that happen in a conditioned and innocent way to humans because we're conditioned from very young to create this alternate world in our conceptual realm that we're calling mind that reduces infinity to the finite. It, it reduces those rainbows into that's my daughter and and all the sense of control and loss and gain that comes with that and all the suffering that comes with living in that conceptual prison that is maybe unique to humans in a way. And when it relaxes, it's not that that disappears. Like you said, you're not pushing away thought. You're saying, okay, that's there, but what else is here is what the thought was referring apparently to, which is in, infin, infinity, complete indescribability and beauty. And when you say a tree becomes a tree, it sounds totally ordinary, and it is, but it's also nothing like your mind's conception of what you thought tree was, what mind tells you tree is, which is this simple structure, has these purposes, Instead, it's like, what is that? Wow. And you're overcome by the, the beauty of it, the immediacy of it, the indescribability of it. The inf in, Like you said, it's unfolding infinitely. I, I remember once you told me that even you know, with eyes closed in meditation, it's not that this unfolding of reality stops. Things are manifesting in, 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 you know, from emptiness in the same way, it just indescribably, yeah? Yeah, um, I mean, the the best way I I just, like how that comes to be, there's, there's this, there's just this nothingness, not that it's an object and something that, that can really be talked about. Then there arises like this sense, not really of anything, there's just the sense. Then the sense of me. And then the entire manifested uh, universe, everything here that can be perceived just seems like it springs forward from that. And then this thing gets imputed on it like a, a self, an agent, an observer, a, you know, an actor through, throughout all of this. And it's, it's through relaxing back into that process um, that we can, the link can be broken to that process at any given time, because this thing that we we have of ourselves seems like the thing that's holding all of it together. And when it's to give it like a linearness to it, and 
when the link is broken, the whole thing just kind of collapsed back to nothing. And and this thing that always thought itself to be something, um, it gets unraveled. And in the unraveling of itself, the the emptiness of what's here comes into full full view of itself. And it's recognized through everything that's here. It's permeating everything that's here. So it's everything that's here is empty of self, self-nature in itself as being something. And then the emptiness is recognized through everything. It, it was... It can be kind of trippy because you see the emptiness within an individual in front of you as the emptiness that may be flowing inside of inside of you. But that's also a subtle kind of casting out to want to to make it something that it can mm. be be known or or experienced. It's it's really recognized. You know the the realization of no self is isn't just that. Oh well, there is no self. Is once it's seen through, there's no division. There is no self nature to anything. There isn't a mer- there isn't a self that that merges with all of this. Is the the error in perception just isn't made anymore. You see through the function of it. Everything remains the same. It's just that 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 error is what's seen through. That's the the root. Of suffering itself is the self that's claiming it's suffering, but there's such a stronghold of identity around that that it's difficult to see through. So there are many methods and practice to this. As many infinite individuals as they are, that's how many paths they are right back to this. And where does it come to? It always inevitably comes back to here and now and here and now is the only place it can ever be deconstructed to see exactly what's happening that um that regression that sort of relaxing back and realizing it's a it's a it's not an intellectual understanding it's a realization it's a it's a relaxation of the one who stands apart from whatever's happening. This idea of no self that, okay, so if there's no self, what is there? There's just this. <laughs> and the, the, how can there, it's very tough to even imagine what suffering is when there's no entity to suffer. There's just what's happening. Um, and and there's quite a bit in what you said that actually you could talk for hours about, like the n- empty nature of all experience. And that's so misunderstood because of the word empty. That's, that's a very tricky word, but it's as close to accurate as you can say in that it just doesn't have, an, a, it doesn't have a self in it. It doesn't have substance in and of itself. It's just radiantly empty and full. It's full of, it's just paradox. And you see it everywhere. It's in front of your face and it's only now. And there's a realization at an instinctual level that it's always only been this empty radiance forever. Like birth and death and death and birth and human history and the big bang. That's all a conceptual spin up and an overlay. It's always been this. 
it can only be this. And then everything becomes so immediate, um, indescribably <laughs> beyond any, any du dual description because it's not happening to anyone. It's impossible, becomes impossible to talk about, but also impossible to deny. It's self-validating <laughs> without a self. And, and then the words just kind of fail. And there have been times when I've, I've told myself, I will never talk about this because it's unspeakable and to speak about it does it violence. But I don't think that's helpful. I think speaking points in the direction and people can intuit what's always, they've always really deeply known to be true. Yeah, it, it's when people people ask me about no self. There is a set of conditions or a set of things that we that's required of us to be able to get to the doorway, where we have to open the doorway and really walk through to see exactly what's on the other side of that. And that's all that really can be said about it. No self is to be experienced. There's there's a mind that will always say, "Well, who goes and experience?" Well. Go and see, because that's all that can be said. I can use all kinds of words to try and describe it. I can even tell you outright what it is, but just the fact of using, like you said, something that's dualistic in nature just won't function in describing it accurately. It just can't, because the identity is so caught up in the self that it can't see anything that could potentially be outside of it. And that's where the point of surrender comes to. That when you walk up to that door, you're the one that's going to... The, the way surrender happens is going to reveal itself to you. And it's entirely up to you how you're going to do that. Whether you're going to relax and be like, all right, let's go. Or you you know, shut the door and turn around running and screaming <laughs> like I'm never opening that door again or even peeking mm -hmm. into there and mission accomplished when it comes to self because it you're the one that's that's going to be blocking it you know it's like y you were the jail cell you were the jailer you were the one holding the key and you were the one that was inside the, the cell itself and you were the fabric of the the, the jail cell so from that standpoint, what do you do to free yourself? You have all of the answer and the key itself. Well, when you get there, that's when that you're going to decide what that's going to look like for yourself. Because from this standpoint, you have all of those capabilities. Everyone has the means to look. Everyone has the means to deconstruct this thing that they're calling me. And any resistance can only come from what you're calling me. And any effort to move past it can only come <laughs> from what you're calling yourself. So it's entirely up to you. 110%. And, and this is where I think so much of the post sort of... Uh, post-original shift awakening struggle seems to come is there's still the egoic processing of turning things into a mine or a, something that happens to a me. And so you have this realization, you experience reality as it is. 
And then there's still the egoic processing that says, okay, now I've had this experience and boy, it's scary, or it feels really empty, or I'm very disoriented, or what is the meaning now of my life, or what is the purpose of my life, or actually I'm much better now than others. Like I have this spiritual knowledge because I've seen reality, and you have, you've seen it, it's right here, but something's owning it now. And it seems like so much of the struggle and the sense of nihilism that can happen when we talk about this in some, in, as part of the journey, this sort of dark night of the soul, and there's many names for it, comes from this residual identity trying to own this experience, make meaning of it, control it, predict it, do something with it. Um, and like you said, when you walk to the door, when the door of, of the self is somehow breached, and like you said, you can't say how to do that, but you go there and then something happens or nothing happens to no one. Uh, until that, there's still this process, this in very, and it gets progressively more subtle and slippery and, and, and can be quite painful. You know, like my experiences, whoa, all the things that I've hidden from or all the memories or all the uh, trauma in the body, even if they're subtle minor traumas compared to what traumas people do experience, they all come roaring back and try to create an identity of the one who had it and so on. And then any realization is felt as this kind of fearful, like, ooh, I don't know if I want that. Well, ooh, will I leave my family? What will happen? Like all the sort of mind stuff that spins and- and I think it's not talked about enough because it frightens people off or they think, oh, I, I had it and I lost it. Or, you know, or they fall down the spiritual ego trap and then start teaching stuff <laughs> to people and, you know, they're, they're being crazy. And, you know, so I'm curious how you, how you've experienced this. So there's, there's definitely a subtleness to, to these types of realization. And it, it, you really have to allow things to cycle out um because there are deeper recesses through whatever pains you have felt in your life where you you can kind of hide into that stuff um but for me i i just check man you know i look and i see everything is confirmed that whole practice of just being with the senses is uh is a method of of practice you know i don't have anything that that nobody else have access to everybody else has access to this and i'm nobody special you know from and that's not a position to be taken either i check that it against the experience to make sure that there isn't anything building or hiding anywhere you know and it comes from a place of uh a place of compassion is a realization that there is no no difference between you and another person because there the other is an imposition that you're it's an assumption really that you're placing because there is an expectation of experience here. And because it's, it's experienced in such a way that it must be that way for others. So it brings you to a place of this, this utter type of aloneness. And, you know, that's where there's no place to hide. You're there with your full glory of the ignorance facing the unknown. And what do you do there? You know, when you get there, that's when you see. You turn around and if if there's anything you could ever do from that point, the only thing that can be done is to kind of speak with people. 
because at the core of their being is that there's this thing that says that it's here that knows nothing about anything that's here so when you know that within yourself i think that's the tr the truest form of i don't like to use the word truth but you know yourself fully when you you can accept the fact that you don't know shit and be comfortable with that that's the test and the thing is the test is for the one that's there looking at this stuff and there's no way anyone else can know that and there's no way for me to know anyone and for anyone to know me and that puts you in a place of uh it's an acceptance of that that truth that nature and there's nothing that can be known you know so you continue to look at the things that come up and go from there but honestly speaking there would be nowhere for no way for anyone to to know so the person really has to intuit within themselves allow insights to to grow and mature because there's you know you can have immediate reactions from this like people climbing the mountain and be like hey don't come up here there's no mountain to climb but really you kind of show lead them up and let them discover that there isn't anything to see there was never anything to see and then you go from there that's right that's the paradox and it's so easy to get trapped in a kind of view even from after crossing that apparently uh it feels like well there was nothing there was never there was never a zubin <laughs> in the sense in that sense there was, didn't exist there was never a path there was never there's what is enlightenment who wakes up all that can be felt very strongly but like you said it's this it's this paradox that like but how was it seen in retrospect apparently <laughs> that this played out you know there was a leading there was uh some practice there was a looking and a yearning and a you know a, a kind of a, a desire for truth um whatever it is in you and it's different i think it shows up in so many different ways i mean the, i think people who are listening this far into this podcast they know what this is they know what this desire this yearning for this is um and so it's right so the expression comes out like and whether it's a kind of pointing or whether it's a just speaking from that, it's hard to say, but, and it shows up in so many different ways. The way Angelo expresses is very different than the way you express is very different from the way, you know, Suzanne Chang or someone expresses, um, but they're all pointing from the same, it, it, no place. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's like, it, for me, it was when I was going through the process, I just wanted to, to speak with someone that would just give it to me straight, be like, all right, you know, not all the frilly stuff, not to say that, that that stuff doesn't have have a place because, you know, every every point of entry is going to be a point of entry, you know, but mm. I wanted it in plain, simple, layman's term that I could understand and not put it at a distance for myself because when I went through the process and, you know, with recovery and and coming into that that space, it was, I didn't know. So, you know, the 12-step the program itself, it's a deprogramming of, of conception of self. So what happens when you clear out all of the, clear out all of the conceptions and you remove them from the shelf? You're kind of left bare. And that's, that's the space that I was left in. But 
when I was bare, I didn't want to replace it with any other belief systems or structure. There was this thing that was here that I didn't know what it was, but I've been calling it myself my entire life. And I feel that if I'm going to call it myself my entire life, I should probably know myself. And I didn't have an answer. So mm. with that, there were certain guidances that, that came, but more there was an intuition into how to do this. And as these things were being done, I knew them already. Like it, it was very clear that I knew to do these things because it would embed me into what's here and it'll also remove the conception of me as an overlay of experience itself. And one of the first ways of doing that was the visual field. It was like, all right, relax, relax your visual field. Look through your, your peripheral vision. And what I noticed was attention for me through my visual field itself or, visual, or looking. Anything that I wanted to know, if I'm looking at it, I would narrow my attention down to it. And then it engaged my mind to try and figure something out about it. And when I relaxed my my. Uh, my visual field, it, it felt as though my mind disengaged. So I was like, all right, let me, let me just see from that, from that setting then. So as I was driving, I would, I would notice colors. And then if I looked and I saw a car, mind would say, that's a car. Then I was like, well, just relax. That, that's just color. And then as, because I drive a lot for work. So, you know, at, at any given time in between jobs, it could be, you know, a two hour drive or a three hour drive between one to the next. So I started implementing small, like little stuff, like try to read the sign, but not have discursive thought in my head saying what the sign is. And that externalized an entire process that I was internalizing. And it started to remove the barrier of inside and outside. The shit's not happening inside of your head. Mine is spread out everywhere here, you know, at that time. I was like, what the f... So I started doing it with other things. Sense perceptions, my hand inside of, uh, you know, some water down at the stream. Okay for the thoughts to say what they're saying because I can't really place it because it's no longer in my visual field and it's not inside somewhere, but it's happening. So I put my warm in, my hand inside of the stream and I was like, you know, try not to let mine say that the water's cold or it's wet. And then it went from that. It was like, you know, it's okay if it says that, but you don't have to believe that. What's the experience? And then the experience just became so vivid. And the depth to it, the thought couldn't, couldn't even begin to, to describe that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's, it's right it's using life itself and your experience sense gates to show you exactly what it is and show you also, and this is a key thing that I think you said that is so important. You're, you're not trying to shut up the thoughts that are laying their conceptual overlay. This is, you know, decades of conditioning that does this. Actually more than that, it's probably, you know, all the ancestry of human consciousness has been conditioned to put overlays on reality in order to survive in this, you know, matrix. So there it is, mind saying cold water, uh, Ishwar's hands in a stream, uh, that's what mind is saying. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Now let me go 
right into the experience also, because there's the thought, that's an experience, that's the sixth sense, you're experiencing thought. So what, what, what is the actual raw experience? And that's where it just shows you. It's showing you exactly what's there prior to mind saying a word about it. And it's inconceivable, it's irre- irreducible, indescribable, and it's a gateway right there to that inf- infinite now that is not in time and space, that time and space are the constructions of thought. So what is this? This timeless, placeless, centerless infinity. And it's right here. It's accessible right here. And you discover that in recovery. Um, yeah. After It sounds like after the, the self-structures were broken down by you know rock bottom and all the process of AA. Was it AA you were in? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, AA. And, yeah. you know, it was eight months of just once I got a little bit of a taste of, of this stuff with some form of meditation when I was in the treatment facility. Dude, it was eight months of just things just started to unfold. And it was, all right, all these feelings and emotion stuff that, you know, resistance to them or things that I buried that I never wanted to deal with started to come out to the surface. And as they came up, Yo, I just let them, let them loose. And how do you let them loose? You know what I mean? I sat inside of my truck and sat with these emotions. And if crying is what I needed to do, that's what came up. But it was a full acceptance of whatever was going to happen. And dude, as that stuff started to come, it was just like waves and waves of just things just being released because I was holding this shit in my entire life. All of that stuff was just blinding by holding onto all these emotions. So we, all they wanted to do was just get out of the way. I was the one that that kind of held on to them. And that entire process started to show that. And then once all the emotions were gone, I was left with these, these conceptions of my name. Right? So I had a name that I used to go by when I was hanging out with my friends, which was Los. I had how I was when I was with my wife as a husband. Each one of them had like this particular set of guidelines that they they function and operated by. Like you're not the same person or the same way with your wife as you are with your children. They're, they're governed by a certain set of beliefs and principles that we have. Um, same thing as a son to, to my mom. You know what I mean? I wouldn't act the same way with my mom that I would with my wife. And then when I started to see these things, these identities themselves, I realized they're branches. They're branches to something that's here, the structure of a self. And I could cut off the branches, but as soon as I cut one off, another one springs back up. So I wasn't about polishing or fixing the self. The thing that actually dawned was, um, why am I trying to fix this? And during the step work, it's defect of characters, right? That we, we, we come in touch with a defect of characters and we ask uh, for them to be relieved. And I was like, that sounds like fixing. So if it's a character, it's a character, something that's made up. Why not just do away with the entire character altogether? <laughs> and it was uprooting the tree so the branches wouldn't grow back. And that was the the thing that, that started to uproot the experience of identity itself, the structure of identity. 
because I wasn't I wasn't taking on the beliefs anymore. And that that to me was pretty pretty powerful because it was like yo if this is a character and it has all these all these effing defects dude, it's a character dude just get rid of it <laughs> that, that and that's the root that's the root like you said you pull up the the weed by the roots and it then all the branches die uh, but you you went through it and 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 many have gone through it in this way through the recovery process and there's so many different doors to it but th- this idea of seeing the character as an identity, as a series of identities, and the same thing, actually, so a couple things I wanna make, make sure for the audience that they, that they really pay attention. The emotion stuff is so important. It is actually in many ways central for many people to, because, because we form so much identity around the repression of those emotions. It's almost like the, it's, it's the one who's afraid to feel that energy. Uh, that continues to create the sense of separation and identity. And for me, you know, my wife telling me some things that had come up years ago that she never told me, uh, it, it kind of really shattered my own sense of, oh, wow. And then I felt all that emotion that we'd been, I'd been holding back both of us. And it was like, wow. So that so much identity goes into denying what's actually happening, denying emotion and so on. And so allowing that, you know, you in the truck and feeling all that emotion is, you know, what people will call shadow work, which is kind of a reductionist term for what this is. It's just a feeling everything, allowing it to come up and then looking at the branches of identity, like, well then, okay, if this is, if this thing happened and I didn't even know that I was party to this, who am I? Like, what, what identity is this? This is all just an illusion. It's a construction. And then, then the scaffolding starts to break and you start to fall through those layers of identity. Uh, so sometimes it takes that kind of thing to happen. Sometimes you do it intentionally. Sometimes it's grace, but it has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like, for me, it was a prerequisite because that's the, the, one of the things that would, uh, kind of cover this up because the things that would pull me away the fastest would be an emotional reaction or response to something that was was coming up um mine's primarily was anger and that overshadowed all of the other emotions themselves it kind of kicked them and buried them down so when i started to address the the anger stuff and it was really it was just becoming aware of when i was angry in the moment that i was angry not thinking about what i'm going to do when i'm angry how am i going to or when i get angry i'm going to i'm going to look at this in this way nah man it had to happen when it was happening that i would take the time to kind of pause and see it and that's exactly when it started to have the most value and the most rewards from the anger itself and it was day-to-day life stuff man i was at home depot i think i, I told the story to angelo before and I, uh, something was going on and i was getting upset at the the person behind the register and i noticed it and when i noticed it i was like i don't have to react in the way that i'm thinking that i need to react to get an outcome this is just me being angry and you're being an asshole, just step back from that for a second. And when I started to become aware of that, that was the the fastest way to kind of, because that's where the identity was hiding, was in the anger itself. But, you know, that was the story anyways. But really and truly, 
it was an emotion that really didn't have a link to the story itself. It was something I was telling, I was telling myself. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? The, the, and having uh, the, that emotional response from that was just, man. That, th- th- this, see, this is another thing that is so key is you're talking about reactivity work, really. It's, it's having enough presence, and this takes some intention to see when the reactivity cascade is starting. And I've, I've had the same, I've been doing this quite a bit lately. And you may think, oh, I think there's a misperception. This is some kind of self-help work. You're trying to you know, become less reactive and so on. And it's just polishing the character. That's not what this is. This is uprooting a hidden sense of identity that hides in the idea, the unspoken belief that when something happens, you can make it otherwise through your reaction. And you can either escape the discomfort of it or you can change it. And the truth is reactivity, internal reactivity, it's not necessary for that. It's seen clearly through actually looking in real time, like you said, either you're creating the scenario, like you're triggering it in yourself or you're doing it as life is showing it to you. And then noticing there's nothing in experience here that says that this emotion has anything to do with anything I need to react to, that this feeling in the body has anything to do with anything I need to actually do about it. It's just exactly what is. And it's left alone. And it doesn't mean you don't respond. It doesn't mean you don't finish checking out at Home Depot or gently correct the person's mistake or whatever it is. <laughs> you just don't sit there stewing and spinning scenarios. And uh, and a good example of this happened to me just just the other day. I was hiking on a trail and I was, and this is the great, this is the funny thing about this. Like you can go, you can be in a state of real presence, like, everything is just happening. And I was walking down this trail and I was in almost a bliss state because everything was so perfectly just as it is. And then this dude comes walking up the trail with an unleashed German shepherd that's bigger than me. Like if this thing stood upright, it's taller than I am. And I'm not a tall guy, but this dog was big and no leash or anything. And the dog comes running up to me, growling and barking and threatening like i you could tell i was looking at this dog i'm like this dog wants to bite me and ultimately it did actually grab onto my um my sweatshirt and start like you know kind of nipping at the sweatshirt and the guy this is what he did he just said hey come on bobby or whatever the dog's name was come on now let's go no leash no apology no nothing and instantly i could feel the reactivity cascade like, cause there was fear underlying it, the fear of this dog. So that already set this kind of tone of reactivity. And then th- the cascade was, okay, here's what I wanted to happen. This guy needed to control his dog or apologize because I'm clearly, you know, this is a dangerous situation. It's a big dog. Uh, he did neither. And so now I'm furious and I'm, and so my reaction is to, internally run through all the thought scenarios of what I should have done, what I should say. Should I start carrying pepper spray and spray that dog in the face? Like, should I spray the owner in the face? Like all these different (laughs) stupid, you know, crazy thoughts that come up, like how you're going to control the situation, regain the sense of uh, the lack or helplessness and humiliation and all those feelings. And, and right away I was like, oh, wow, look at that. That spun up so fast. And then I was walking, sitting with that. And again, I would get lost in the reaction. Then I go, okay, let me go back to the trigger. This dog, oh, this guy, this dog. And then what I noticed was, again, it becomes clear, wait a minute, 
all those feelings in the body are natural. There's fear response, there's fear of humiliation and helplessness, all that. There's nothing I need to do. There's nothing, there's nothing to do. I responded, which is I walked away. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's, it's like the the idea of will becomes something just in thinking, just in thought, ignoring the fact that it already happened and the guy is gone with his dog, but you're carrying the guy and his dog inside your head with the story That's right. about all these things that, that could have gone differently, ignoring the fact that what happened already happened and it's over and done with. That's right. That's exactly can't, right. You, can't be no other way. Can't be any unless other way. Could you, unless you go have ahead. a time machine. Unless, <laughs> unless you have a time machine that I don't know about. But you know, Yo. still you can't change the fact that it you know, it already happened. The only place that that could ever change would be in the idea about it being a different way. Ignoring the fact that it already happened the way that it did. And that could not that could, that does create within our own minds, this idea of will and choice, but we neglect that we have to ignore the way that something already happened and come up with this story that it could have happened in a different way. That's right, that's right. This idea of personal will that creates the person, it, it reifies a sense of the one apart that could have changed something. And the key thing here, I think, is again, getting back to emotion, like, there's a feeling in the body when this thing is relived in the mind or when it's happening that the mind itself judges as intolerable. This feeling is so uncomfortable that the mind says, okay, I must relieve this by launching into a reaction. In a way, it's a doership. It's like, okay, I don't like this, therefore I'm averting from it, or I do like it and I want it. And so now I launch into thought to try to make it so. Um, or make it not so. And what's felt when you sit with it is, there's nothing wrong with the sensation. <laughs> there's really nothing wrong with the feeling in the body. There's nothing that needs to be done and there's no one to do it. And ultimately that's a realization, not, it can't be intellectual. It can't be you just think it out. That, Cause that's one of the pitfalls is like, well, yeah, of course, logically there's nothing you can do. It's already been done. But that's not what this is. It's almost at an energetic, it is at an energetic level that it's realized. There's, yep. yeah. It's a it's a dawning that happens, which is the the realization in it, and then it becomes Groundhog Day because what what could ever change outside of what's happening right now, and mm -hmm. this idea that um, there's something outside of what's occurring right now just kind of goes away. It's like it's exactly like that, you know. It's there is no. That's the, the idea of time, the idea of tomorrow, the idea of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, collectively and and in a seven day sequence turns into a, you know what I mean? Like that's how our yeah. mind takes it and creates this entire thing of time. And then it just runs with, there's just this fascination in it. And it's, it's so quick how the perception itself is supported by the concept because the minute we say that or we feel or think as though we have control, our entire perception turns into that, that we feel that we have control in our moment-to-moment -moment experience, unless we're willing to, to really look and see what's actually happening, how is that occurring. And the minute we start to pause and look, then the opening that comes with that 
you know, it can be a little disconcerting for those who haven't really, who aren't really looking for this or on this path itself. But, you know, if you're looking and searching, then mm, you look in all the places that you think that this thing can hide and it hides in control. And that's where you're found too, because there's a satisfaction to control that I can make something different than what's already here or that I can even make something without ignoring all the other factors that's, that's here that has to be in place in order for any single thing to happen. Yeah, it's all interdependent and happening from cause and conditions well beyond the scope of any human understanding. And what I'll say is like, I know there'll be people listening to this and saying, well, this was an unsafe situation where you needed to react because there was safety at, at stake and in the future you need to do something different and so on. And you should have turned around and yelled at him and all that. All of that is a story because the truth is you can respond without internally reacting in that way and holding and having a sense of control. You can naturally respond from all the causes and conditions. So my natural response was, okay, I'm not being bitten right now. The dog is leaving. I'm going to walk. And my natural response might be, well, in the future, I'll carry like a thing of pepper spray. So if there's if there's a mountain lion or something else that happens, I'll have some, you know, something I can do. And that's just a simple response. It's not sitting here and imagining you can control a situation in your mind. Um, but you're right, these things hide in these very unseen places. I mean, to an extent, when we talk about shadow, it's not something dark and evil. We're talking about what's hidden, what's hiding. And the sense of self apart seems to hide in these very charged, volatile places behind fear of helplessness, behind fear of humiliation, fear of abandonment, fear of intimacy, these kind of deep human fears. And and that's what I love about your story is, and, and the first time we, we met, you talked about this, like all this stuff would just come up. And in a way you were held to it, having to go through recovery and having that time by yourself in recovery house and so on. It was grace in so many ways. Yeah, man. I mean, I think like in the recovery house, there were 17 other people. <laughs> so I shared, I shared a room with uh, four, four, five, five guys. So it was two bunk beds and one single bed. I was on the bottom of a bunk. So in that space is where all of this uh, happened. So it can happen anywhere. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't, if you're home, you could do it. You could do it there. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a cave or be away. It was just weird that the place that I went to and it's, it's <laughs> the, the actual treatment facility was called the retreat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the place. But, you know, that's where it started. And the recovery process was just a start. You know, it gave the break to really allow all of these things to flow and a way to kind of see through them. And I always say it's, it was the, the stepping stone from there. This entire thing just kind of blew wide open. And, you know, I, I never started to really accept experiences, no matter how grand they were. And there, there have been many, either through meditation or psychedelics, but they always pop back out to here. This was the place that was always open. And some of the insights and realizations that came from that was everything needed to be done 
right here, right now, because it can it couldn't be done anywhere else, and nothing happens outside of here, anyways. So even all of the fantastic experiences that I was having, they were all happening here. And it was when I stopped holding to them or chasing them that this like really fully opened up. And as moment to moment passes, these things deepen, all of the, the perceptual filters deepen. And I mean, it's a, it's a new day every day, but it's, it's the same day that never changes. You know, nothing, nothing needs to be different than what's already happening right now. You know, there's, this is where words fail because everything that can be said, it's going to put it in a, a way where it's, um, it, it really doesn't make any sense because our normal mode of thinking and the way that conventionally we've been conditioned, it's like, well, tomorrow is going to come. You know, next year is going to come because last year passed. You know, there is no past and there is no future. There, There's just what's going on here. And this isn't even really what's happening here isn't really a thing either. Because the minute we, we say here and now, it, it's already passed. You know, a physiological way to look at it too. And it's something that can kind of put it in a different uh, framework for people who are intellectuals or in the scientific community or, you know, that are thinkers, it's, you know, even if you look at it, the way that you're experiencing yourself through your visual field, it, if you take time into consideration, it takes time for the light to hit your eyeballs, to go through the cones and be converted into electrical signal into the brain and then spit back out this image that you're experiencing as this, this world. But the image that's, spat out at you as fast as it's being you know spewed out it already happened so what you're experiencing right now already happened you're experiencing the past of what you're calling you so how's it you (laughs) yep and you you can even feel intuitively in every moment did is this even happening in that sense, because it's it's an appearance that's here and gone, here and gone before you can ever grasp it. It's so ephemeral and, and, and just kind of radically impermanent that you could even say nothing is happening. Um, right. And yet <laughs> there's a whole world, there's a whole feeling of world. Um, and it's just, a, it's a miracle. Yeah, it's, it's really indescribable. And what else do you really need? Yeah. Yeah, man, it, it it just blows you away, you know, when you know that you don't know and anything that you can say you're making up. So it, it puts you in this place of just complete openness to what's happening here, you know, to, and that's that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to suspend the story to really see? Because the one that you're suspending is the thing that's so caught up in everything here that puts value and meaning and find value and meaning in everything that's here because it's kind of pointing it pointing it back to itself because this have meaning i have value or because i have value this has meaning hmm. yeah when so so and there's a million questions but none of them are really relevant but the one simple <laughs> one i do, i do want to ask <laughs> just from a story standpoint because i think people will be curious when did you have this 
shift in recovery. How many years ago was that, or when was that? 2017. It's recent. It's like yesterday. Yeah, so 2017. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was and, between January and August of uh, 2017. Wow. And since then, it has continued to kind of unfold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, deepen. Yeah, the, and, the identity structure itself, experientially, like that that experience that happened when um, when I was looking and couldn't really find anything outside of myself that I could say, well, all right, that definitively is me. Um, when when the structures themselves started to go, like Carlos or or Ishwar or son or husband, when do, that tree was uprooted, that uprooted the external stuff. So then I started to go back, back and back inside of my mind itself where I could say, well, what is it inside here that I'm taking to be me then? And I started to go back in memory and I get back to, you know, one of the earliest things I could remember. And I was about four or five years old and I was like, all right, let's kind of sit with this and see, see what's going on here. And the thing that kind of popped up was, all right, you're four years old. And this is as far as you could go, but you're four. So what was here before that? What was here before this memory? And inside of my mind, it was this uh, four-year-old version of me, my face. And I'm looking at it. And then it just turned. And it was, it was hollow. And when it was hollow, I was like, what the fuck? And it felt like a rubber band was being stretched. And then the minute it saw that, it, it just, something cut the rubber band. And it felt like a ball of rubber band got cut. The whole thing just unraveled. It went, <laughs> and then there's the, the process happened. There's nothing Really, there's experience, experiencing experience. Then it started to coalesce into how it comes into, into being of this, this self-experiencing stuff here. And as we go through the, the sense perceptions again, it can actually, it can be seen there because that was an experience that happened. The reality is it's always here and always available. The sense perceptions aren't unified. They're, it's a disjointed type of experience. There's sensations, there are sounds, there are thoughts. There are all of these things happening and each, each one of them have their own depth, their infinite depth. And there is no self that's permeating any of it. That's the moment-to-moment -moment experience of, if I could describe it, would say that. Hmm. There's nothing that's, that's unifying the sense fields to say that it's uh, a thing here experiencing. So even that experience that occurred that was so vivid, that really changed the the entire way that I looked at things, like, you know, identity was seen through at the core of how I was putting it together within my own mind. That whole process alleviated itself. But again, it spat me out here.
because this is where the delusion is occurring. Now. So, mm -hmm. that's where I went to work. Mm. Man. <laughs> As stories go, that's a good one. I like that story a lot. And I know it's just a story, but man, it points right at the energetics of it, um, which are here. Again, you, 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 if there's a theme here, it's that everything really points back to the only thing that is, which is no thing, and it's here, it's now, it's this. There's no leaving this, there's nothing outside of this. You know, and there's so much in the sort of when people, whether you're scientific or spiritual or both, there's this idea that there's this universe outside of here that you're trying to merge with. Where? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Josh, all. Josh, Josh from uh, he has this channel to uh, so awake. He goes, he said it. He said it beautifully too. He was like, he's like, yeah, go ahead, do me a favor, step outside of the universe right now, just for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's why it's why I really love I love the phrase just this um for so many reasons because it it has infinite as words go it has infinite meaning pointing at what is like the universe is just this. <laughs> Your experience is just this. All there is is just this. What's that tree? Just this. Yeah, it it's Really, it's hard to say anything more than that. Um, and even saying that's probably too much. Um. <laughs> yeah. And everyone has access. This isn't, you know, somebody's going to walk up to you. Oh, maybe, maybe it's a possibility. I don't know. Because, you know, you could just never know. But I don't know that someone can walk up to you, touch you on your head, and boom, you have it. You know, it's the error is ours that we're making. So in order to recorrect that is to do it ourselves, to see it ourselves. So, you know, in that way is where, not that the value is there, but the work is done by you. So it's confirmed by you. Yeah, and that's a good seg segue into you. You do a little bit of working with, people who are in this position kind of ready to 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 drop into this in a way uh and how, how do you how do you typically and we'll give the website and all that and i'll put it in the show notes and in the introduction but yeah how 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 has that been how do you do that with people the same way we did it it's very yeah. direct it's someone you know if they they set something up we sit down we talk just to get a general sense of where they're at, um, you know, I've had, I've had guys who uh, or people who would reach out and they say they want to sit in the space that I'm sitting in, and you know, just kind. Of, I was like, listen, man, this is <laughs> this is about <laughs> you doing the work to really see through this. So, um, you know, there is no grace that I'm going to bestow upon you, and you're going to be magically awoken. Yeah. I, I, point you out exactly what it is that's going on in your your experience and then it's confirmed the same way that we did it and we go from there and the practice is very simple i still have my practice that i do every day and it's just that the silence that's here the stillness that's always here i try to just be with that everything leads back to this all the sense perceptions all the colors if i'm looking at the fall colors right now whew, 
I'm immersed in this. You know, and even that type of language, I'm immersed in this. That's the descriptor. That's the concept. And it points back to this. So you're never out of it. And everything that you would take or could have been used to take you out of it has always been leading you back to it. So there's nothing wrong with anything. You know, those are like subtle key points for uh, that I point out to people so they can they can confirm that to, you know, for themselves. And again, I'm not telling anybody anything that they don't already know. And it's funny when it's pointed that way, they're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I already knew this. I was like, you know, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And and notice, you know, you said there's this practiceless practice of just immersion. And it is, in my experience, it's like you can have these very, you can see very clearly. And then, you know, a day later, you can really be caught in the stream of conceptualization and the thought world. And, you know, if there's particularly strong triggers and just increasingly it becomes faster and faster that they lead you right back here. Like you said, like they're no longer a matrix that you fully get lost in it. They're another pointer back to here because you realize, oh, oh, look at that. Oh, yeah, I was, I think I believed that thought that I have to do this. (laughs) And then, oh, oh, there's just this. Oh, wow, it's right here. It's always been here. It's never not here. Yeah. And, you know, some people have, I think they take a very hard position on themselves with this, you know, However old you are, if you're, you're, I'm 42 at the time all this happened, I was in my 30s. So it was 30 something years of conditioning mm. to attempt to break in such a short period of time. And that, you know, whatever happened, happened. But relax too, you know, understand that 32 years or, or for me, 30 something years of, of conditioning took some time to see through. And you don't necessarily have to beat yourself up over it if it's not if you don't get it right away too. For me, it was, you know, initially going through all of that stuff put me in a place where I couldn't land anywhere because I had nothing conceptual to really land on because I didn't know all of the spiritual context of what these things was being referred to as. So it was a little bit kind of up in the air and there, there are some pretty dramatic stories with, with some of this stuff, but there were cycles. It took I think initially it was from what it seemed was like 180 days. Then it was like a 90 day cycle. And then, a, a you know, like a monthly cycle. Then it went to like a week and the cycles, meaning just thought stories would come up. I would kind of get lost in them for a little bit, then boot back out but again. I was always getting dumped back out here. So it cycled all the way down to moment to moment. Hmm. Hmm. So now that's almost real time. Uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, so that's beautiful. You did tell me that the other day we were talking because I was asking you from my own experience that there's this, there is this feeling of like, oh, I had it and lost it, had it and lost it, had it and lost it. And those cycles seem to become shorter and shorter of being kind of apparently lost in the thought world or in reactivity and then into you know, quote unquote clarity, which is not, it's just this. And that was very helpful. And you, you said something at the time too, you said, you listen, it's always here. All you do is just take a breath in, just do this kind of square breathing, you know, four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold, and you're right back here. Calm down the sympathetic nervous system and 
here you are. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. You know, it's yeah. not a complicated process. Um, mind wants to make it very complex. And, you know, like you said, you have a lot of crazy stories too. Like you've had some intense experiences as this unfolds. And in a sense, it's like fascinating and wonderful to hear those stories. But in another sense, it's it's just more experience. What this is, is so simple. It's not, it's not some mystical explosion, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> all, all of those things that happened, they were... In in the moment, they're they're fantastic, and you know maybe they dropped away a lot of stuff or or whatever it was, and its purpose was is not for me to give value or meaning. But the one thing that I took away from all of that stuff was it was an experience. It happened. It's not what's occurring right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it can become a kind of. I mean, I guess Adi Ashanti has called it kind of spiritual addiction we become very enamored of these very profound experiences that, like you said, they may recondition the conditioning in a way, uh, kind of clean things out. Who knows what the purpose is, if there is any purpose, but um, they can become very, you can have a lot of clinging and desire for those. I know I've experienced that. Like, oh, I had this experience of heart opening Kundalini energy and this infinite love. I want that again. If I can get that again, everything will be okay. <laughs> and, yeah, and, 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 yeah. They show you the potential. They show you what's there. You know what I mean? They're not things to really go and chase after, even though you can if you want to. You know, for me, I found that, it, I don't know, it was always about coming back to this, seeing through that. The core of one of the, the understandings and, and realizations was that if, in order for me to discover what's really here, then all my ideas and concepts that I've gained from my entire life had to be seen through. And this thing that remained that was saying that it was holding all of these things together, which was the sense perceptions themselves, that's the thing that I'm taking to be, that, that's a me, and that isn't what it's appearing to be. Mm. So the depths to which whatever that drive was within me to actually see that process. Um, I don't know where that came from, but I wouldn't stop. There was nothing that was going to stop me to go and, and look and see the truth of what all of this is about. And mm. that's exactly what happened. And uh, one of the interesting side effects of this kind of, <laughs> and again, you can't, because like you said, you're not really doing it. It's just like, wow, I don't know where this is coming from, but this, I'm not going to stop until, it, it is people around you, things can apparently shift. Like, I think you were telling me that even with your family and your wife, like there's been a lot of unfolding. Yeah, for for her, but well, one one of the stories with with her was the initial when the initial uh, seeing through identity in that experiential way came. It it literally it's whatever is not in the moment of experience does not exist. There's nothing that drags it from one moment into another moment. And I let her know that I <laughs> was away that she did not exist, and that's not that's not a thing to that you should do. 
in that situation. <laughs> oh man, I could I could just see this going down at my house. <laughs> I'm laughing yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of opened some stuff for her, but really, one day, um, you know, l- life prior to that, man, you know, it was it was all chaos. You know, that's that's uh, that's addiction in a nutshell. Yeah. So it was all chaos. I don't think she had a moment of peace, you know, knowing me. Maybe when I went away to the treatment facilities when she got some peace. And she had, she had said that too, is just knowing that I was going to get the help that I needed. And mm. she didn't have to worry. But coming back, you know, there was no real, uh, who would know what really to expect. And then here I am talking about all of this stuff. She's like, what the f-? <laughs> Yeah. You know, that, that can be a little a little strange. But seeing through me and breaking the mold itself opened up that's why i say like true compassion flows from that space because when you know yourself essentially you know most everyone here operates on those same principles so you know everyone else so it's not really trying to change anything because you see experientially that for me all the pain and suffering and misery and joy and happiness that happen in that that period of time brought me to this place of wanting to look, see, understand, and experience the things that, that I, that was experienced and ultimately led to the dissolution of this, this being that always took himself to be something. So you would never ever stop that process from someone else really. And truly when you see, you understand the most because you've gone through the process yourself. Um, so for her, it was spaces that was just being held open. And one day she just wanted to sit and kind of meditate with me. And she had a, an experience of her own that kind of opened her up in a way. And it wasn't anything that I did. I didn't know what happened there, nor do I have the, the power, the ability to make anything happen. But instead of being reactive, and sometimes I still can be because things happen and it's like, oh, what the... But for the most part, it's always, you know, maybe look at things in a different way or just don't say anything at all and let her process work for her. And she she went through her process, some energetic work that she did. And however she came, she came to it one day, it was, I think, a couple of months ago. And she was like, so none of this is, is a thing, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, close. I was like, the one that's saying that none of this is, isn't a thing is the one that isn't a thing. <laughs> and she was like, so what happens from here? I was like, well, from here is where it begins. Whatever mm. this is. Mm. Mm. Man. <laughs> it's it's funny. I mean, there's so many parallels here too. It's the same thing. Like, And, and, and my wife's, after she had this big shift in April, again, un, unprovoked, never meditated, no spiritual background. And and uh, she says things like that to me. There's no continuity, is there? There's no past and future. Really not, nothing is dragged into this moment. And I was like, yeah. And if that's upsetting, you kind of want to look with attention as to what it is that's upset, like what it is that's trying to hold that continuity because in my experience it's a it's a little mini me that thinks it needs this continuity 
Uh, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it likes to assert itself from time to time as an appearance, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and oh yeah, go ahead. For for us, like the relationship now, it's um, I mean, it's like there is no expectations, so it's like if something needs to be done, it gets done. You know, yeah, you can like if there's something that she doesn't want to do, she can say no and be okay with saying no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, instead of saying no and worrying about hurting somebody's feelings, there's nothing about just you can be straightforward. You know what I mean? And yeah, express how you feel about what's happening right now, and and that's the end of it. Instead of ah. not doing so, carrying it with you, <clears throat> and regret not saying something. Oh, you know, the, <laughs> I, I have to say this is a pitch for this thing because, you know, a lot, some of what we've said for someone who's like fully, say, kind of in the mind, mind identified, and I don't say this as a kind of derogatory thing. It's like, no, this is the standard human operating system. And you're listening to this and you're like, well, but I feel something. I know there's some truth here. Or I, I suffer, whatever it is. And I want, I, you know, I, there's a seeking to try to relieve that. Some of what we've said is disconcerting, like to the mind, it'll say, wait, what? There's no continuity or there, wait, there's no self. Like what, there's no, there's no reason to react. Like what even does that mean? Like what, what, how do you even live? And what you just pointed at is, is amazing. Cause I find it here too. Relationships become dramatically different. They're, they're radically authentic. Like you don't have to hide behind the human dance of obfuscation anymore. It's like you do, you, you say what you mean and you're not saying things to hurt people and be radically honest in that way. You're just saying what you mean. And there's not a lot of like over overthinking or even thinking about it. Like, oh, I wonder what she feels about this or he feels about that. It's like, no, here, we, we're quite clear. This is what it is. And there isn't a sense that there's a lot at stake so before it's like your whole relationship is at stake if they see through anything or they see what you really are or whatever. Now it's like, oh no, here I am, here you are. There's no tomorrow anyways. So it's just perfect as long as it's perfect and it's just always perfect, <laughs> even when it's not, yeah. even, yeah. It's a huge relief. It's like a massive yeah, weight off no the shoulders. To, there's no need to pretend to be to be this thing that needs to be guarded 24 7 what's wrong with just letting the guard down and be like all right this is this is where i'm at and this is how things are and that's it there is no need for somebody to interpret the way that they should feel the need to express themselves to me to cater to me based on my perceived reaction to something that they're going to say dude there's such a knot that's created from that mm. that just binds up uh, a relationship with all these expectations but it's each individual gets like so constricted that they they start to recoil back mm. and now it's just it's just free to be exactly what it is it doesn't mean that like because of that you're going to act in a way that's going to be Neg negligible to the the other person are you going to do something that you know like just leave the relationship or something like that it's it's quite the opposite it's like mm. the the person is free to be exactly who they are outside of my conception of them and then man the experience of of the beauty that i was referring to as my wife becomes something in full view 
when mm. I relieve my conception of beauty. Mm. Absolutely. You see what's actually there and it's free. It's freedom. It's infinite freedom. Same with the kids, same with your parents, same with, I mean, whatever it is, it's like, you, you, it's kind of shocking. It's a little disconcerting actually to any residual identity. because <laughs> You're like, wow, I can't believe all these years I've kind of seen it as the, in this box. And it's not that. And with that box comes all the knots of like hiding and not looking and please don't look here and please don't say that and walking on eggshells with yourself even, you know? You, you won't look even at your own responses honestly, won't look at yourself honestly. So there's a kind of authenticity that emerges that is freedom. And that doesn't mean freedom for it to be exactly as you want, because it may not, it may not be what you want. Like you may be divorced tomorrow, but it'll be known that that's totally fine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. Man. <laughs> <laughs> this was quite a ride, man. And and uh, there's like a million other things, of course, that could arise, but I think they'll arise in other conversation that we have. Um, man, so so tell me about your, you have a, a website where people can find you and if they wanna schedule a one-on-one -on -one with you, which would be tremendous if you're ready for this. If you're ready for the red pill, <laughs> Ishwar, <laughs> direct pointing, um, it was invaluable for me. Uh, and uh, I think would be valuable for a lot of people. Where where do they go? What's your website? So the the website is uh, sensewithoutmind.com. Um, it's very basic. There isn't much that's on the site. There's a spot for anyone who wants to to schedule a one on one or or something like that. That's on there. And uh, yeah, there have been people who are contacting me all over all over the world, and it, it's so difficult to coordinate their time zone with our time zone and then schedule something so i just there's a way to kind of automate it so it's done through the website so i think people just go on if they if they proceed they they can just um select the date and time that works for them and it it automatically converts their time zone with our time zone and basically everything that's heard here on the the uh on this conversation is what to be expected when someone sit down and we can talk and have a conversation. Yeah, that's beautiful. Sensewithoutmind.com. And I'll put that in the show notes. And you've got interviews with Angelo all over YouTube and with Josh Putnam. Uh, your interview with Josh was on, on what was it? So Awake? That's his site, uh, his uh, YouTube yes. channel. Yeah, that's a great interview. Uh, you guys go really deep. Um, and that's another one that I, I might link to uh, for people who are interested in video. Um, and then at some point when you're out here in the Bay Area, we can sit down in the studio and that'd be a great conversation uh, to do with video. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I'm looking at the beginning of the year next year. So perfect. We'll, see, we'll see how that pans out and then kind of go from there. There is no next year, man. Come on. It's only now. <laughs> we, can, There's an, we can plan. We can plan. But we that's you know, right. Hold, you plan now. To the outcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. There are people who talk like, oh, there's no future. There's just, there's no one doing it. It's like, okay, yeah, try getting through the day like that. Like you're, you're in the yeah, human look, realm. There's, there's no reason why this can't be practical, man. That's why I say yeah. they, the 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 unknown and convention is one and the same and yes. when you see that there is no conflict between the two and it's perfectly 
uh, okay to operate between both these spaces. You know, you can be practical with this stuff. It's not all or nothing, even though when it comes to the point, it's going to be all or nothing for you. But until then, you know, there, you, you still got to chop wood and yeah. carry water. Isn't that what you say? Exactly. Or in your case, uh, do emergency uh, electrical work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's your, that's still- your profession, right? Yep, I still work. That I go to work uh, four days a week, and that's what we do: emergency so, electrical work. I mean, when you're when you're when you've got like 220 volt line in your hands, like you're not you're not sitting there going everything is emptiness. You're like, this shit'll kill <laughs> me if I. This <laughs> shit <It> hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love it. Well, brother. Um, Thank you so much for this conversation. It's always so, it's so useful to me. And then I think it's going to be really useful to our audience. People will find you at sensewithoutmind.com and we'll have another conversation soon. Thank you, Ishwar, for this conversation. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. Works both ways. I, I used to learn a lot from just being immersed in the conversations himself. Ah, that's beautiful. All right, brother. Until next time. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. And access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.